When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what you said to me, the far more interesting thing in what you said is the prospects of, of Rakim versus Big Daddy Kane, which is something that I do believe could happen. What about you? I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. How you doing, man? Same, man. Uh, another, <laughs> another Sunday in paradise. Another Sunday in paradise? Yeah. Uh, yo, what's the sign say behind you? Uh, <laughs> that's uh, in case there's a there's a fire that lets uh, somebody know to get my dog before they get me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, it just lets them know there's a pet in here. So, uh, yeah, even though I think it would take two or three fire... <laughs> Fire workers, <laughs> firemen, and women to grab my dog. So yeah, man, I you know I know how Theo gets down. I'm not sure like I, I could yeah. I could do it. Like I, I'm I'm uh, mortally scared of of uh, Theo, dude. Yeah, that was a that was an odd exchange. Yeah, man, you guys. Uh, it was like the Source Awards up when you two met. <laughs> what is it though? What is it? What do you mean? What is it? What I mean is it just me or is it that's how he gets down with people? You know what it was. Of when when you when you came in the spot, I should have met you outside. And instead, it was like, because um, actually that happened this morning with somebody else uh, at at the other at, at Maya's, and uh, a guy answered the door and came in, and like all hell broke loose. Did this happen to be a black man also? A brown man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to no, see I mean, a pattern. No. <laughs> What's the deal, dog? Like, no, I mean, and, and, and not for nothing. He's a black I mean, dog, too. I mean, come on, man. What's he's, going he's, on? He's the Clayton Bigsby of dogs. You know? <laughs> right. right. Uh, I mean, if he was a racist, it wouldn't work out too well in West Philly. But uh, we're working on him, man. I'm going to give him some <laughs> literature, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's good, man. Um, well, I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne our editor-in-chief, and together we are Ambrosia for Heads, and this is our podcast, What's the Headline? You know, I think it's only right, man, we start the day off with an apology, you know, so uh, go ahead. Uh, I apologize for Reggie saying that <laughs> Wayne's first album was the Carter One. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of people on Facebook, on Instagram, on Young Money's social platforms, <laughs> We are looking wild ignorant when it comes to uh, <laughs> Orleans bounce music. That's hilarious. Yeah, I was going to have you apologize <laughs> on your behalf regarding 2 Chains. Said he was going to get washed by Rick Ross, man. Uh, I had yeah, that. I had it at 9-9-2. Oh, you had it at a, at a draw? I had after 20, yeah. Interesting. I saw... I saw that Billboard had it very close as well, giving um, Ross the edge. And I don't know if that was one writer or their staff. I've yet to hear one person. And I haven't, you know, I haven't gone out of my way and and done Pew Research and called everyone on my phone. But I've yet to hear one person say the two chains won. What have you heard in regard to that? You know, I haven't heard anyone say he won. Although, you know, so the bonuses, they did more than 20, first of all. But Ross, first of all, Ross, did you watch it? 
Yeah, I did. I did not watch in full, but I, I watched, um, you know, I looked at the scorecard and I watched over an hour, you know. Ross was um, bullying. He was bullying, dude. Like, he yeah. was supposed to, like, he was supposed to go second. Yeah. He went first. <laughs> They're supposed to flip it up in the middle. Interrupted him he, a few he, times. He refused to do that. Yeah. He went, he played multiple songs in a row in the bonus round. Like, he just was, like, on some, like, uh, on some bully um, stuff. So, um, the you know, it's hard to judge the bonuses. Yeah. But with the bonuses, I'd say, I'd say, ch- I'd give it to change by, like, one. Interesting. Yeah. So you're but, the first, yeah. But you thought you thought he was gonna get washed, though, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely thought it was gonna be less close than it was. Um, this was not my favorite battle at all. I, you know, and 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 for not for nothing. I mean, we talked about it last podcast. I would say in both both of these artists who I have the utmost respect for, both artists I've I've covered, I've interviewed, I've done things. Um, you're a bigger fan in both cases than I am. Um, I expected Ross. Yeah. I mean, I expected, I expected two chains to come up with about five or six wins and you're absolutely right. I mean, the way I scored it, um, you know, it was, I didn't do ties just cause that's easy. And I know that everyone else is doing ties, but I had Ross winning, um, by two or three songs. You know. So, um, what was the biggest surprise for you? That's a really good question. I I mean, not in the battle itself, but Ross didn't play any of his Maybach music, you know, not theme songs, but you know what I mean in the series, right? Uh, he, he played, I think he played one. I think he played one. I'm not so sure. You might be right. But um, yeah, I mean, both of them left songs on the table, arguably. I mean, and we say that every time. Anyone capable of doing a versus isn't just a 20-song artist. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say there was, like, a huge surprise for me in any way. I, Ross had a few that I, that I expected to hear, um, you know, and didn't. Um, what about you, though? Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't do anything from uh, Mastermind. Maybe, um, you know, because that's probably my favorite album of his. And Even more than Teflon Dawn? Yeah, he's got some bangers on Mastermind. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rich's Gangsta, um, you know, War Ready. Yeah. Uh, nobody. Uh, he's got some joints in that. You know, I was surprised. That's definitely in his top three albums, in my opinion. And and I think a lot of my opinion on that has to do with you. You know, I mean, you we covered it extensively when it dropped at AFH. And also, you know, for those that have heard, you know, Reggie and I do this thing, which I find is a great way. I actually tell my friends to do it um, of just like, yo, what's what's your song of the day? And it could be the song that's stuck in your head, a song that fits your vibe. Um, a song that you just keep listening to and shit we're like five years in on that maybe four um and you know amanda amanda mester was part of it when she was you know with afh and yeah i mean oftentimes even into 2020 i know ross and the mastermind album have been big for you yeah for sure for sure i actually um attended the listening party for that and Mm -hmm. you know most industry listening parties as you know are like at a club or a bar and you know, the music is kind of incidental. It's really just a place for people to go and kind of politic and network. Drink for free. Yeah, right. But Ross had it in a movie theater and mm. he had um, like pristine visuals. Uh, it was dark, you know, and the, the focus was strictly on the music. It's pretty dope. It's really mm. good. 
That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the pageantry of it, the massages, the dancers, the 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 physical activity. I mean, really, these have come a long way in the last four to six weeks as, you know, I mean, Corona hasn't changed, but just how we're all quarantining has. And I feel like we said it hugely about Snoop and DMX, but I feel like the production quality of Versus is getting better and the level of, of curation in these playlists is um, is really exciting. So, you know what? I won't apologize for my opinion. I, you know, I can't remember if I used the word wash, but certainly my, my forecast of the record agree, <laughs> you know, it, it, it lines up with that. But, um, you know, well, I advocated that I wasn't so sure that two chains was a worthy Ross opponent after the fact, I definitely see why these two lined up well. Yeah, I mean, Chains, he's just got so many features. Like, you know, there's stuff that I forgot about. He's got great club bangers, just hits, you know. And so I thought they lined up really well. Um, you know, so in the wake of that, two more have been contemplated. Um, one was put out there by by Swizz, uh, Kanye versus Drake. And the other, <laughs> okay, I need to, I need to, the other one was Rakim actually reached out uh, and, and to Kane. Yeah. You know, and challenged Kane. Um, so, okay, so, all right, Kanye versus Drake. Why you roll your eyes on that one? Not for nothing, never happened. <laughs> never? I mean, it's, nah. I mean, it, it's sort of like what we've been saying about Jay. Um, you know, Drake is above this. I think that right now, you know, anytime Kanye goes into album season, he's not above... Um, doing interesting things i mean in the early years that was kind of doing massive press runs and more recent years you know we remember the tmz stuff we remember the videos on buildings all of this different stuff i think kanye would do it instead of press runs running for president yeah i mean whatever this is even if running for president is part of the press run and i think we have more to say on that in a minute but um i think drake is just uh Drake has positioned himself not unlike, you know, um, Dre and Eminem at their pinnacle. It takes a lot to get Drake off, off his mountain, you know. And, you know, you can look quite literally at what Kanye has done over the last two years. Drake isn't coming off that mountain. And I damn sure don't think he's doing it for verses, especially, um, you know, a month or so after uh, Swizz seemed to miss him in that Instagram live with Busta Rhymes and later apologized for it. Right. But if, if Drake were to do something like this, sort of like Jay, he'd need to own it. You know, he'd need to monetize it in some way. Not that he needs money, but just on that power play level. I don't think so. Do you think there's a shot in hell we'd ever see that battle on this platform? I mean, I think we could see it just out of ego. You know, I think, um, he would do it maybe to try and dominate Kanye. You know what I mean? I think they have enough ill will that Drake would actually want to come out and flex and show that he is like, you know, uh, superior to Kanye in terms of like the influence on the culture. I could see him yeah. trying to do that, you know. Uh, aside from that, you know, I don't know that, is there anybody that can compete with Drake? I mean, who's got a catalog like Drake's? Jay? I mean. Yeah, and to me that, that would albeit interesting that that doesn't quite line up, you know, just given the eras. I mean, yeah. I know they've both been relevant overlapping, yeah. but that's not a good battle. I mean, so what you said to me, the far more interesting thing in what you said is the prospects of 
of Rock Kim versus Big Daddy Kane, which is something that I do believe could happen. What about you? I do, but you know, and I'm probably gonna get killed for this, but um, do you think that the two of them have the catalogs to do 20 songs each? Yeah, I do. I do, and I know why you asked the question and you damn sure aren't hating. Um, no, I mean, those are two of my favorite MCs ever. Yeah. But I also think about the fact that, you know, Kane has two good albums. And Rakim has, you know, let's see, Pain in Full, Follow the Leader. Um, uh, they got four, they got four, he and Eric B got four good albums. And then his first solo, I really, I mean, I know that not all of that stuff necessarily plays, but Rakim has at least five solo joints that knock, you know. Um, five solo joints that knock? Not albums, songs. Oh, oh okay. Uh, um, I'm not sure I would even go there, but like. Yeah, I mean, the stuff alone with Premiere always works. Like, you have that that effect of, of like, you know, it's been a long... Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so again, this is an interesting battle. We've talked about this. First thing I want to say is I still don't believe that Rakim is running his Instagram account. Um, Rakim is one of these artists that historically has some dissidence with whoever handles his social media, um, you know, over the years. And, and I actually... You know, somebody I know, Uncle Louie, who runs with Eric B, was running the joint accounts for a lot of them. And it said as much, but there were political endorsements over the years. There's been promises of a reunion before the press run. So Rock Kim and anything Twitter and Instagram is always a little bit sus to me. Um, that being said, you know, the account that, that did that seems to be legit. I just, I mean, you know Rock Kim. I don't really sit... I don't, it's hard for me to imagine Rakim uploading anything to Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And calling out Kane for a battle because, yeah. But, you know, that being said, both of these men in interviews, both of these legends have spoken about wanting to do this, spoken about how they kind of need to do it. I know, I forget which one it was that was like, yo, we got to do it, but it's got to be for a lot of money. And obviously that won't. <laughs> that's not that how Virgin works. That was Kane. That was Kane. That was Kane. Yeah. He was um, saying to a pay-per-view. But I think he was also thinking like a battle battle, like them rhyming with one another. Right. And if you do something like this, does that end that? Does that throw that, that you know, what if out of the window? I don't know. But I think it would be really dope. And the one thing, I mean, we've seen, especially since the early verses, is there's a huge spike in in – streams for artists afterwards and just recognition and celebration and you know that was really great to see with erica and jill i think that was really great to see with snoop and x um i i mean i i like that here and especially with where we're at where um you know rakim might have the better catalog kane and you and i've talked about this before in this podcast i think kane is hands down the better performer um not to say that you know, he can have dancers and, you know, do the whole Teddy Riley thing. But <laughs> I mean, that is one I'm going to tune in for. And from what I read, I know that the numbers of Rick Ross versus two chains were not nearly as strong as they were with X and Snoop. Not that that surprises anyone, but I think with this battle, this is like the hip hop version of Babyface and Teddy Riley. Tell me as a 36 year old, if I'm out of line making that comparison. No, nah, I think you're right. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, we had that already. Uh, that was Premier and Rizzo. You know, if we're going to go producers and, you know, people who Word. literally like songwriter, you know, dominated eras, um, I'd say that's Premier and Rizzo. 
Yeah. But. And and yeah. Okay. I mean, that's 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 fair. I I would love to see this though. I mean, I really would. And I definitely, you know, I definitely think there's 20 songs. And in Kane's case, you know, there's there's features. Um, yes, he has two classic albums, but you know, on um, on looks like a job for there's joints and then there's show and prove. There's you can do the the you know the the you know the Tupac, Biggie, Shaheem you know, the King, like there's moments and he's had features over the years that scorch. Um, yeah. I just, I'm here for that. If that goes down. Yeah. You know, I think rock rock especially with those four albums with Eric B. Um, has got 20, like just, he's got 20 bangers for sure. I mean, he could play like all, all except for the instrumentals are paid in full. And that's like, you know, six, seven right there. Um, and then follow the leader. Don't sweat the technique. And, um, why am I blanking on the third album? But you know the one with um, oh yeah, uh, 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 in the ghetto and you know um, yeah 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 uh, large mahog- mahogany you know like you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, in I'm like case, too, 1990. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it'll be it'll that will be a great one. So to date, Jill Scott and Erica Badu is still the the biggest in terms of simultaneous users. Why oh, do you they, think that? It's yeah. bigger than X and okay. In terms of simultaneous users, yeah. Uh, you know, so that the 2.6 or whatever million number that Swizz was using was unique. So it wasn't simultaneous viewers uh, for gotcha. uh, DMX and Snoop. Yeah. Um, why do you think that was? Is it because um, these are largely probably male skewing, uh, but Jill and Erica brought out uh, both? Uh, and Teddy and Babyface, I think, was the same. That was like 500,000. Yeah. So why, why do you, why do you, you think that's what it is or something? Else? I think it's partially that, but I also think probably a bigger effect is just where we are with quarantine. It's high summer. Now, most people are not completely staying home anymore. Um, whereas in March, April, May, you know, especially on Saturday nights, that was the spring, it was raining, it was cold. And these became really interesting things. Um, I have to feel, I have to feel that that, that played into it, but certainly, you know, if you build it, people will come. And we saw that definitely with Snoop and X. Right. Um, which was a weeknight. You know, you've moved from Saturdays into weeknights, which tells me that Swizz and Timberland see that too. I mean, starting with Jada Kiss and Fabulous, they tried Monday. Snoop and X was Wednesday. And now Rock and, uh, Ross and 2 Chains was Thursday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you, you see it a bit. Yeah, there's more competition with the NBA and stuff like that too, so. Um, so we talked, we touched on this for a second, but Kanye running for president, uh, he's actually getting on ballots in states and now it's come out, uh, two things have come out. One that like Republican operatives have been helping him with his campaign, um, which suggests that it's purely designed to like interfere with Biden. But now Kanye himself has come out and I guess acknowledged that he's doing this to, to help Trump. So what, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm just uh, just scratching my head, you know. I mean, Kanye feels the way he feels politically, socially, you know, um, what this country's going. But you know, it doesn't surprise me. Of course, it behooves the opposing party to do that. I think that in 2016, I think that there was a lot of conservatives and Republicans that were very happily pouring gasoline on the fire that was Bernie Sanders running against Hillary to try to divide and conquer. Um, so here we go again. And the fact that 
you know, Kanye could appear on some state ballots and not others is just a reflection to me of, you know, how much work the, uh, you know, election process and electoral college needs, you know, um, that's just odd to me that you would have it. in. I think they were saying what, like Utah, Wisconsin, Vermont, but not in other states. And, you know, it's, it's just odd. What's your take? Yeah. I mean, there's another state, I can't remember which one it is now, but like uh, where his, uh, it was rejected because they found out that some, more than 50% of the signatures he'd gathered were fraudulent. Oh, wow. You know, which, and you got, you know, um, claims by Republicans about like fraudulence and like uh, registration and stuff. And, you know, then you got this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I don't really get the strategy because I don't think that any, um, First of all, I don't even know who Kanye's fan base is anymore. Like, I think right. he's done so much to alienate the black community between the MAGA hat and, uh, you know, slavery as a choice and everything. I'm not really sure that um, I can't see very many, if any, you know, black people voting for him. So I'm not sure right. if he'd really even be pulling from Biden. Like, I don't know who would vote for Kanye West, like, seriously, you know, unless it's just it like a you know, just a desire to like, you know, thumb your silly. system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I can't imagine that. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just this, 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 um, this March to November just keeps getting weirder and weirder. I don't care what side of the coin you fall on. It's just a giant, giant head scratcher. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's been interesting too. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of different ads. I don't know about you for Joe Biden that seem like they're beta testing different groups. There's one ad campaign that's he's only wearing masks. There's another that almost looks like a college admissions catalog of like forced diversity. Um, and then there's another one <laughs> that's literally Biden, like in a series of vignettes just with different white folks. And I'm like, are you trying to get a, you know, like a Trump sway vote? Like the whole thing is just it is. Uh, right. Where are you seeing these on Instagram or something? Or what? I'm seeing them on Hulu. On Hulu. Uh, yeah. So all right, I'm a cheapskate. I don't have the one with the ad. <laughs> no, call me out. Call myself they out. They got ads on Hulu. Like. <laughs> no. Yeah. Heavy. Oh, oh wow. Flex. Okay. <laughs> Let me get that. Press. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Um, yeah, man. I don't know, dude. There, there's so much unease like you know between the pandemic and you know uh racial tensions and you know now like just inherent dread over the election both the result and you know the shenanigans that are gonna go on trying to prevent people from voting like i don't know dude like i don't know you know i think people just i'm a kind of person who i can deal with like the ultimate you know decision or whatever it is that happens I just don't like the limbo and the not knowing. And it, like, yeah. so I think um, whatever happens, people are going to feel more resolved after, uh, well, I, I just watched Bill Maher the other day. People are, are saying we're probably not going to know for at least five to seven days what the results of the election are since so much was going to be mailing, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it's probably going to be like court challenges. and We might not know for months what the the results of this election uh, election are, which is crazy. It's going to look like 2000 times 20, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be goofy. My only thing is, you know what, for, I don't, again, I don't care what side, what party anyone follows or who their candidate is, but for the Republicans that 
want Kanye on the ballot, great, let him debate. Like, I, I cringe at the thought of this debate in general, just like Trump and Biden up there going at each other. Like, to me, that is going to just be a head scratcher beyond belief. Let Kanye up there, like, make it into a bigger circus. Um, because if nothing else, his energy is going to throw off those two guys. Um, but I, I say that in jest, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're playing with four years of our lives here. And, uh, whoo, yeah, it's wild. So speaking of things that make you cringe, uh, you know, Jaguar Wright, um, uh, artists who I like have loved for years, like, you know, her first album was just absolutely amazing. Um, uh, you know, incredible soul singer, um, affiliated with the Roots crew, um, you know, in the wake of Malik B's death uh, came out like with some pretty harsh allegations against the Roots um, having a, a culture of, um, you know, misogyny um, early on, you know, on tour, um, made some allegations against Common, um, and doubled down, tripled down many times. What, what's your take on that in general? Did you watch any of it? Did you read any of it? Like, what, what was your thoughts about? I read a lot of it. And I, I watched some of it, but it's an hour long Instagram live. Um, oddly enough, you and I were just talking about Jaguar in the last month, just on a musical level and I kind of this, a song of the day from her. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I responded to you of, you know, especially I live in Philadelphia and I kind of was unsure of where, you know, what had happened to Jaguar and that's not a diss, but you know, people come and go through his movements change. Um, this whole thing is just messy. I, I read what she had to say. It's not for me to say, um, you know, right or wrong, she came out against Common in, in, in particular. And I did catch Common this week respond to that on um, an Instagram live. Don't ask me why, but Common, a day after I think Tiffany Haddish had announced or confirmed that they were in a relationship, jumps on. I'm just like, yo, is Common going to confront this straight on? Or is this more going to be about Tiffany? And he said very cryptically, like, things will be addressed when it's time to address them, but he treats it very seriously. Um, you know, she went at Talib Kweli, she went at The Roots. She made, if I'm not mistaken, accusations that Black Dot, um, you know, had relied on other writers, um, i.e. possibly Malik B. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot to handle. I thought the timing was strange. Um, you know, I've, I've lost people I love and I've tried to, you know, maybe maybe push some of, you know, fight some of their battles in the afterlife. Um, what I knew of Malik B, I don't, I never knew that he was frustrated. So it's hard for me to speak on, but it just, it came out in a way that was a lot to process. And, and that's really all I can say about it. Yeah. I mean, so this is a story that involves two sets of artists that are core to AFH, you know, the yeah. roots and, and common. Um, but it's also the kind of story that we would have been really reticent to cover uh, on the site. Yeah. Uh, because of the tabloid nature of it, you know, um, you know, so what was our process? Can you, let's talk a little bit about our process and evaluate stuff like this. Cause it was very case by case. And I don't know if you, we could draw a bright line to say, why well, we covered some things and not others certainly wasn't favoritism. Is it more just a speculation part of it? Or, you know, because if it, if it had been like, um, I'd say this, you tell me if I'm wrong. If 
she made allegations toward Common and he was brought up on charges, we would have covered it. But yeah. because this is just her, um, you know, word right now, we would have been very cautious. I'm not sure we would have covered it at all. Uh, but if we did so, we would have just been very matter of fact. This is what she's saying, you know. Yeah. Uh, but w- what's your take on it? Yeah, and this is what Common has to say. You know, like we would have made it a point to watch that whole IG live, which is a weird way to experience statements like this. I mean, you know, we did cover. I'm thinking, you know, what the precedent is here, and we did cover Khalees. Africa Bambata. Yeah, I mean, we covered Africa Bambata. We covered Khalees's, um accusations against Nas. We covered and. I don't think we overly speculated, but we provided some additional context in regards to Solange and Jay-Z in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is tricky. I will say all day long, you and I would have had probably a very, um, not tense with each other, but you know, really running this through our, our process conversation on the phone. Like, how do we cover it? And Jaguar Wright is an important artist. I believe she's a Grammy Award winner. Um, she's definitely somebody we hold in high regard and and she felt comfortable coming out with this um that being said i mean there have been um you know one of our biggest stories in recent years was about nelly's country grammar going diamond and we covered that and i say biggest because of its reaction it did extremely well for us on facebook nelly is not a core artist to afh but that was a that was a benchmark moment in hip hop. People know who Nelly is, whether they they like him or they hate him. And I remember um, with me at the watch, we covered one of the early stages of Nelly's rape allegations, um, which I believe were subsequently uh, you know thrown out. And I remember you, um, you know, as the founder and CEO, saying, "Hey, I don't think that that was the right move." And um, I think that this kind of falls into that of like you know what, let's, let's see what transpires. Let's make sure we get both voices. I don't know if we're ever going to hear anything from the roots on this one. I don't know if we're ever going to hear anything from black dot, but common, you know, um, who has all of these awards, who is very much embraced in the mainstream. I do feel like he is going to address it and I'll be very curious to say when he does. And, um, to me, that would be worth covering once you have statements from at least two sides. I don't know. Yeah, it's dangerous, man. Like we're we're in such like high cancel culture now, you know, uh, where allegations without any substantiation can completely take you down. Yeah, it's a really really scary thought. So you know, on the one hand, you know, uh, I don't know if I don't know if if it's the right thing for Common to respond or not. You know, um, uh, you know, um, I think that the way that that she's come off has not presented her necessarily in the best light, you know? And so. You mean in terms of the format, the language, the, the casual, format, the language, so. like, you know, um, everything about it, you know? Um, so you might just let people form their opinions based on her, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, I'm not sure. I mean, what would you do if you were him? You know, uh, I'm, I sometimes feel like silence is, is, is complicit, you know, or, or it it validates the accusation. I would nip it in the bud. I don't know. Um, The the thing that I'll say though, is I'm glad we're not, we're not faced with this problem. I mean, here we are talking about it, but even this morning ahead of this call, I wanted to see who else covered it. Um, It was something that I became aware of 
from a place that, you know, I worked many years, Hip Hop DX, I have not seen, you know, I haven't seen the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Philadelphia Inquirer. I haven't seen newspapers or um, bigger outlets. And that doesn't mean that they didn't cover it, but I ran this through some search engines and it wasn't coming up. I don't know what that means. Um, it's very much a hip hop story right now. Yeah. It is, but you can't tell me, I mean, especially with salaciousness that a BET or, you know, an E entertainment television that they wouldn't, you know, find value in this, if nothing other than chasing clicks and, and, and muckraking. But um, yeah, not seeing that I found, I found interesting because the one thing I never wanted to do as a journalist and still don't want to do as whatever I am now is, you know, silence a woman or, or have, um, or silence any oppressed group or have a skewed scope of coverage that always favors the accused. Now, and I don't, we were certainly not that. I mean, another example is Dee Barnes. Word. We covered her very uh, proactively and we very much uh, shone a light on her story, you know. Um, Dee Barnes being the person that Dr. Dre assaulted uh, back in the late 80s, uh, former host of Pump It Up, uh, you know, and she has been, uh, she was very active when Straight Outta Compton came out, the film, about like kind of like um, making Dr. Dre, holding him accountable because in a, way, in a way that he never was fully back when it happened. And, you know, eventually Dre did, uh, you know, acknowledge that he was wrong and apologize seemingly um you know very sincerely for that um uh, but we, we we covered her story pretty uh aggressively i think and michelle in her favor yeah and michelle yeah. too and yeah. michelle and i know they both deal with dre and um yeah and we covered michelle and she went on the breakfast club and you know no shots at at jaguar right you know i don't know that you know um the breakfast club or sway is is going to be down to talk to her given this um, but it was a different type of conversation than what that Instagram live looked like. And it was very much, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to spill the gossip on something that's going to shock you. Boom. Here we go. And that's never how I like, and it's not for me, but I'm just saying like, to me, that's a different, that's a different, um, you treat that a little bit differently or you have to weigh it differently than even Khalees, who I think did hers in a, in a um, overseas interview, if I'm not mistaken, or with another platform that we don't often hear from, but it was a sit down interview versus a, Hey, I'm just going to fly off the cuff with this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was uh, you know, I watched a few interviews and it was uh, yeah, it was the, the energy was, uh, was uh, it was heavy, you know, yeah. uh, very palpable. So on an other Philly news uh, and roots news, Scott Storch, uh, former keyboardist of the Roots, and you know, you know, then you know, becoming a superstar producer of Fat Joe and tons and tons of people. Um, you know, he had troubles with drugs for a long time, um, but has, has kicked it and is now open to rehab center. But you know, you know, kick. Yeah, I just I love to see stories like that. You know, Scott has really seemed to, um, you know, turn his life around. I know that there have been artists that have given him opportunities. Over the years, I don't, I don't think anyone's turning down a Scott Storage beat. I've never, I've not, I wasn't always the biggest fan of his music, um, just aesthetically, um, you know, in the, in the mid-2000s. But, you know, truly, like you said, a superstar. And he faded from the light. And Scott's done some great interviews. 
with Sway, with Breakfast Club, um, with other people. And he'll be the first one to admit that, you know, he has himself to blame, money troubles, addiction, all of that. So to take him, to see him take it full circle and pay it forward for other people, opening up a rehab center, it's just great to see. And I truly believe, um, you know, we're going to see Scott Storch produce another like massive series of records. Um, I just feel like, you know, sort of like we've seen with Tim or Swizz, um, you know, and the like, Scott is, we're, we're right there right now where his, uh, his keyboard skills and his ear for programming is about to just explode again. Yeah, you know, so one of the things that Jaguar talked about was the roots, um, at the very least, did not help Malik B in terms of his addiction. And, and you know, I think she was suggesting that they might have fostered it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm you know, especially in order to take advantage of his uh, artistic abilities. You know, she accused Black Thought of like stealing his rhymes and them having a rhyme high and he wouldn't remember and they'd go back and, and, and steal the, the rhymes. But do you know if there was any like uh, connection between his addiction and Scott Storch? Not that I know of, no. Yeah. I mean, um, about, it was, a, it was exactly 10 years ago, around 2010, I actually used to hang out with Dice Raw a little bit. You know, he, I would... I, I was watching him work on an album that sort of came out and never did at the same studio that the roots have historically used here in Philly. They don't, I don't believe they use it anymore. They might. And, um, you know, and, and Dice was very, you know, transparent of telling old stories and things like that. And I never, I never knew that to be the case. And even from what I understand of Scott Storch, you know, while he smoked copious amounts of marijuana back in those nineties, I think the harder drugs that later kind of got him hemmed up came when he relocated to LA, worked with Dre, and then kind of branched off on his own. And I'm not, by no means am I blaming Dre or Aftermath or any of that with it, but from what I understand of the timeline, that came with the fame and the success and what have you. Yeah, okay. Um, Well, so in other news, Cardi B released her video WAP. Yeah, uh, which is an acronym for <laughs> wet and gushy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look That's what they use in the video version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yo, uh, did, did you watch the video? Yeah, I have. Okay, yeah. so you were one of the forty-five million views in two days. Um, what did you think of the video? First of all, I mean, I, everything on this was as expected. I, you know, it's designed to be a viral smash in every way and you know it's interesting that this song which to me um you know very much is tailored for the clubs possibly specifically strip clubs comes out at a time when uh, you know i don't know if strip clubs are open in any state right now and i don't know well, what kind of in atlanta oh they are well i mean lou williams and the clippers is getting wings at magic city <laughs> i didn't even see that <laughs> Damn. Oh, yeah. He, that was a huge story. Like uh, yeah. last week, he was out, you know, uh, handling some stuff out of the bubble and then like uh, got caught with, you know, uh, some, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack, um, uh, you know, um, Jack Harlow, right? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, got, um, took a picture with him in Magic City. And then first, Lou Williams denied that it was that it was uh, you know uh, during this time period, but he had a mask on that was from the bubble. Oh man! <laughs> so man. then, then it became like I just went to get the wings, but then like uh, you know one of the dancers came out and said that she danced for him. So I mean, it was just a whole like 
but yes, they are open in certain places. Okay, wow, good to know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just an odd time for the record. It definitely has that summer feel to it. The video I thought was cool. I mean, it look, clearly looks like a seven-figure, maybe eight-figure video. It's not, you know, it, it has the quality of, you know, those MTV videos we used to see back in the day. But that being said, I mean, you know, this musically um, is not tailored to my taste. What about you? Uh, I thought the video was stunning. Uh, you know, okay. the first time I looked at it, I'm like, oh, man, like, um, you know, it is like just I thought it was just focused on the flesh. But then I went back and looked at it a second time. Uh, and I just saw like all the crazy, like, you know, you know, like animals coming out of tongues and like just to like weird little like special effects, like, you know, doorknobs coming alive and stuff like that. It was artistically it was unbelievably great you know um and then like you know there's the the cameos like kylie jenner and you know all that stuff um two things that came out of it though uh one was carly jenner people or kylie jenner people were um accusing her of of appropriating black culture but i don't know how that can be the case when it was they who invited her to be in a video, you know what I mean? Um, and so can you appropriate something when you're being uh, asked to do so by, you know, uh, people who are of the culture that you're supposedly appropriating? That's one. That's a really good question, yeah. And, and the second question is, um, you know, if this had been like a male artist, you and I would have not posted it on AFH because we, we did not post videos that objectified women. Um, you know, we, we took a pretty hard stand on that. I took a stand on it even before you joined. I didn't post Two Chains' um, birthday song because I thought it was just unnecessarily objectifying of women. Um, and so I don't think that if this had been a male artist, uh, I would have posted, wanted to post this either. And, you know, this, this probably wouldn't have been for our audience, but just hypothetically yeah. speaking. Um, so it got me wondering, like, is it possible for, if, if it's women doing it, can it be objectifying of women? Like, uh, that, you know, I wonder, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, to your second point, I don't think so. And it's sort of, it's one of those things where I'm not, I'm not just trying to duck out of an argument, but it's not for me to say. Like, I don't want to be one of those guys that sits there and, um, you know, tells a, tells a woman, you know, what is and what isn't objectification. In the same way as a white guy, I don't want to sit between two black folks and tell them, you know, my thoughts on the use of the N word, like mm -hmm. within the black community. Um, I don't Well, So as far as Kylie Jenner, I mean, the, the Kardashian, you know, dynasty has always, you know, um, long before Kanye was part of the picture. I mean, they've always integrated elements of hip hop and black culture into their come up. I mean, that's just, that's nothing new. I mean, Kylie Jenner at some point was on Instagram wearing MF Doom, you know, I think they were Air Force Ones or, you know, some sort of Nike and uh, the sneaker community was up in arms like, yo, is this a good look for Doom or is this just like, you know, is this dumb as could be? I, <clears throat> you know, to your biggest point, I wouldn't put this on AFH. Um, it's a huge video. It's a touchstone song, but it is not on brand for us. And if I'm not mistaken, back in 2014 or 15, um, you know, we didn't we didn't post Drake, um, you know, used to call me on on the cell phone, you know, uh, the name of the Bling. Yeah, Hotline Bling. Bling. And yeah. that was a massive record. And I feel like 
I mean, I eventually came around on, I think when it dropped, you might've liked it. I mean, we weren't against the record, but we were like, this is not, this is not us. Yeah. And that yeah. video was also a touchstone. I mean, in a different way, but like visually that, that, that aesthetic is, is all through hip hop today. Like the colors videos and different things like that. To me, I, and I'm a fan of Meg. Uh, I'm a fan of Cardi, certain things they do. Like, especially on this song, you can hear how much Meg has been inspired by Bun B. Like her delivery, all of that. Like you can hear the greater Houston in her. I often feel like her delivery reminds me a lot of Juicy J too. But this ain't the one. Um, I su support the record. I'm glad, you know, for the folks it hits, but it's not what I choose to listen to for several reasons. You know? Yeah, you know, so, um... And we big big proponents of uh, women rappers. Um, you know, you know, Rhapsody. Um, you know, um, No Name. Uh, lots of people, but like sure. Shane Noir. Like, uh, I want to go back to that for a minute because you listened to the album before I did, and yeah. I know you had an advanced copy. Um, we posted her and Thirty Eight Special on our, our playlist over a year ago. Like, I literally just took it off. Like. Um, a, a day or two ago i saw that yeah. she i mean she goes in and we we, we have blinds and gap blinds friction and gap like we, we you know we we choose to support spitters um and not to say that like cardi isn't um i don't think most people would see her as like being super lyrical or anything but this shade noir album with apollo brown as god intended yeah. Man, I finally dug into it this weekend, and it is like top shelf. I, I have it in my top five albums of the year so far. Yeah, as do um, I. Yeah, um, you know, I would love to like uh, you know put some more shine on that. You know, it's got a song with Black Thought on it. Um, you know, maybe my song of the year. Like truly, that's absolutely incredible. Hustle don't give. Planet yeah. Asia. I mean. It's an incredible, incredible album. And it's a shame that an album like that with an artist that talented who's speaking about such in-depth things would never remotely have that kind of popularity. Like, do you think it's possible for... Okay, so going back to the flesh peddling part, do you think it's possible for uh, a woman rapper to uh, achieve multi-platinum status without flesh peddling? Man, you said flesh peddling, right? As you, you flex the muscles too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think so. If we're going to include Lauren Hill in that conversation, I mean, and that's now today. I mean, now today, yeah, I really think we're due, and I think we'll see that in the next five years. But I don't, I don't want Rhapsody and Shane Noir and the like to miss the train. And you and I collectively, you know, the staff at AFH, we covered Cardi B a lot since 2018. Um, and I do think Cardi has lyrical joints, Get Up 10, which she opened up, you know, her Invasion of Privacy album with. Whether she wrote it or not is a great record to me. And it's got a lot of heart and soul to it. And, and I like her delivery. Um, it's totally different than what we're getting in this video. I hope, I hope that that day comes. I believe it'll come. And I want it to come with somebody that's not, you know, I don't love this term industry plant, but I feel that you know, Macklemore came on the rise of guys like Slug and Brother Ali and Murs, And then all of a sudden you had a vested interest and boom, you get Macklemore. You know, there's cases throughout hip hop history where you get that five years too late with somebody that's very beneficial for the industry. I want Rhapsody, Shea Noir, 
Um, I still want Jean Grey. I want Bahamadia. I want Heather. B. Like I want the flowers to the folks that, that really deserve it and never, never needed to resort to flesh peddling to use your term. Well, who, who has done it though? Um, since, you know, Missy and Lauren Hill. I mean, like you know, Latifa, Latifa and, and, and MC Light right back in the day, Yo-Yo, but they were like um, gold artists. They weren't like, maybe Latifa got platinum with the UNITY yeah. uh, record. But dude, that's like Missy at her peak is almost 20 years ago. What woman has achieved uh, platinum level success, um, you know, without that? since then that's really spitting not platinum yeah you're not but do you think i'm out of line to say that in five years we'll see that we'll see um we'll see somebody in their own lane get accolades where we're not even talking about gender like that I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, you know, Rhapsody's album was critically acclaimed. Um, you know, um, both Eve and Layla's Wisdom. But Layla's Wisdom got the Grammy nod. Uh, you know, it got like heavy endorsement from Charlemagne. She was on Breakfast Club. She's on all the major outlets. But it, it didn't, you know, she has, you know, um, you know, verses with Kendrick. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like really cosign from Jay and Dre. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It got Jay Z behind it. Like, I mean, like it, it, it doesn't get any bigger, and yet, you know, her sales and and like you know the recognition doesn't approximate that of something like this. With this is number one on trending for YouTube for like almost two straight days. Um, yeah. it was number two yesterday when I, when I when I looked at it. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at this level, I don't know that we'll ever because I mean, Tierra you know, Whack, but you know, she still wasn't like platinum status. No, and I don't. I think Tierra Whack is 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 widely recognized in, for lack of a better, like the alternative press, and she does her numbers for damn sure. But I don't know that, you know, like the Grammys and a lot of the media cover her the same way i think it's been you know self-started and like you said rhapsody has that in the media she has key people in her corner that really amplify her message and still um but yeah i mean i, I really do have faith but i don't you know the same way that we look back with reverie at the 90s and we talk about bahamadia and heather b and lady of rage and maybe gangsta boo and you know pick wherever whomever mia mia x who i actually want to talk about in a second um yeah, I don't. I don't want the talent that we have right now to miss to to miss its opportunity. And yeah, Shay Shay Noir and Apollo Brown. That's actually you know Apollo Brown gets a lot of props. And I'm gonna say this is in his top three albums ever um, mm. that he's done with an artist. I'm going the OC album, which I love, Trophies, but I'm very OC biased. And then I love an album that he did early on with his group at the time called The Left. But this is, and if there's three albums that Apollo's done, this is in the three. And that's no shots at Joel or Guilty Simpson or Planet Asia or anyone else. You know? Razzcaz. Right, Razzcaz, incredible. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so No Limit Chronicles. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this this is going under a lot of radars. Um, you know, again, it's sort of like Locked what we're talking about. BET. Four, right. four parts are out right now. Um, I, admittedly, I'm halfway through it. But 
I, uh, I'm enthralled, you know, and I didn't expect to be, uh, Master P has been talking for a lot of years as he's moved into film of getting a chance to tell his own story. At times it was going to be dramatic. There was even, there was even, um, word and we reported this on AFH that Queen Latifah, who you just mentioned might play his mom. So P and Romeo have taken some hybrid of whatever they've worked on and they've given it to BET. And, you know, so many of these, these docu-series have done really well right now, especially during Corona where you can't necessarily go out and produce new content. This is really good. And um, there, the things that I don't love about it are there are some reenactments some some dramatic stuff in there, but very little. What I love about it is P got everybody like, um, you know, all the artists on his label seem to be there and it's not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't paint him in a, a, a martyr's light. You know what I mean? He's not a Messiah. He's, he's just master P. And I love this because to me, no limit, they don't get covered like bad boy, Rockefeller, death row. Um, we don't know the history of some of these Southern dynasties at a widespread level. Um, sure there's books but even on a wikipedia page it's it's really slim and this is one of those cases of if we don't tell our own story then who will and the archival footage is stunning like you you try to do a google search of no limit of the images and i know from our years of, of afh there's not always a ton out there this has so much video footage and photos that i've never seen um, i'm just really enjoying it soren baker who's part of the afh family is in it um, a lot of great journalists, Rodney Carmichael, P. Frank Williams, um, and like I said, all the No Limit soldiers, and they're really getting esoteric with it, where they're talking about some of those early albums um, and songs, and they make no bones about it. The Master P was not the greatest rapper, and they make no bones about the fact that a lot of people rejected his style of music, his his whole thing, but even if you agree with that, and let me be the first to say in 1998, I was, a, I was a no limit hater for the most part. Um, this really makes you appreciate what he built. And just as a black entrepreneur, how, um, how fair he was with his artists, you know, and admits his mistakes, but, you know, really tried to create a system where artists owned things, you know, um, a total different story than you get with Ruthless or Death Row, or even maybe some of the things we've heard recently regarding Bad Boy and Puff. This, this is Master P finding a way to make you understand why he deserves more flowers. Yeah, why do you think he doesn't get the respect, and No Limit doesn't get the respect that it, it should, you know, given the impact that it had? There's no machine around it. I mean, literally, and I've never understood that, and it's one of the things, I mean, I, there's a lot of people say when Beats by the Pound, you know, the production that No Limit had when they left, which was over a financial dispute that No Limit lost all its energy. Um, but there was no, there was no fade into the sunset. Like all of a sudden, Masterpiece seemed to step away. He had his basketball dreams. He had his sports agency dreams, his film dreams. The company's turned over to Romeo, which you could be a diehard No Limit fan. There's no way you can, you're going to be excited about you know, an artist that was kind of a kitty rapper taking over the company. So No Limit never got a chance to have that like glory in the same way that, you know, every week I see people in Philly wearing death row t-shirts. Like No Limit just doesn't have that. Um, and there's no label infrastructure around them of let's tell our own story, which you get with Def Jam and you get with 
you know, even Rockefeller and stuff like that. So I don't know. And, and this is, this is really cool. One of the things I didn't realize, I mean, I always back in the day looked at Master P as one of these artists that kind of tried to nudge himself into the Tupac conversation. You know, back when, if Tupac made one song with somebody, he could ignite a career. And I looked at Master P and I'm like, yo, you're always just trying to nuzzle your way in. Um, and this really shows that in 1993, Tupac met Master P at his record store, brings him on tour, believes in him at a time when Master P was getting booed off the stage. And you can understand why P took it so personally. And, you know, when Pac was, was murdered. Yeah. You know, um, I was in that camp with you of being a, a true no limit hater. You know, I, I, I never got it. I, you know, I tried to go back and listen to some music recently. Still don't, you know, uh, I liked mystical a lot, you know, mm. and he has some great songs. Uh, I like the stuff that Snoop did two out of three albums at least. Um, you know, but, but in terms of like the Master P and like Silk Shocker and, you know, um, the X and, you know, their core artists, was never for me. Um, I found the production to be kind of sloppy. You know, um, I thought it was quick and, you know, uh, the, the, the dubs weren't on, on in sync. And, you know, to that degree, it was actually kind of Tupac-like, you know, yeah. uh, although I like, you know, the way the pop put the vocals like that. Um, and, but then also the, the rhymes just were not... Um, but the flow was not sophisticated at all, you know. Um, mystical was, which is why I gravitated to yeah. him. Um, you know, that being said, like, and, and you know, the I always thought that the covers were hokey, the whole nine. But I had the utmost respect for Master P and the grind and the movement they were building, and I loved, you know, the tactics like advertising the next album and every single album that have like you know two or three albums coming out and just how prolific they were. And even though I didn't like the album covers, just the distinctive, you, you knew instantly yeah. that it was a no limit album, like just from like, you know, 10 feet away. Like, so that, that kind of branding and savvy marketing I thought was phenomenal. I respected, um, he was in real estate and that he was, you know, doing independent film. I got the hookup still hilarious to me, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, one of those hood classics, uh, you know, in the, the best and worst ways, you know, so, always really loved the No Limit movement. Huge fan of that, even though I, I didn't like the music. I haven't seen the documentary yet, but you know, something, I, I watched a uh, Snoop interview with The Breakfast Club recently, and it blew me away because, you know, we all know the story. Snoop has been very vocal about Masterpiece saving his life and everything. Um, but he told, he told two different stories about P and what a stand-up duty was. First of all, he was in the studio doing a uh, track, uh, you know, he walked by and he was in the studio with Mystical stopped him and was like, hey, you know, what's up, man? And, you know, you want to record? And he and Snoop and Mystical ended up recording. And then Master P heard it and he, he invited Snoop in. And he's like, yo, you know, like, uh, how much we need this song? How much you want for it? And Snoop was like, you know, just give me 15. He was, you know, kind of down in his luck at the time. He was out of sorts of death row. And he meant 1,500. And uh, Master P thought he meant... 15,000 and Master P gave him 30, 35,000 or something like that instead. Like, uh, and he was like, yo, I mean, I like how this guy gets down. And then, you know, he said, look, you know, come on down. He talked him out of doing an anti-death row record. You know, he said, With Matt 10. Gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yo, that's going to get you, you know, you don't want to do that. It could get you killed. Like, it's going to spark things off. Talked him out of that. Had him come down to New Orleans, moved his family down. 
got him a house. And then, you know, and, and they signed a three album deal. And once that was over, it was over. And typically, um, you know, to get out of a contract like that, you have to continue paying royalties on your next albums. You know, it's called an override, but Master P was, he was just, you know, done. Like, you gave me a commitment, we're, we're good, like, you know, and, and keep it moving. So, um, um, I think the savviest business people are the ones who have long-term vision and aren't just in it to make a quick buck, you know, and he understood that that relationship with Snoop uh, was going to serve him uh, much better than just trying to get him for everything he could financially. So, um, yeah, that just made me respect him even more. So I- I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll definitely watch it, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I like that too about Snoop. And, and you know, one thing I tell myself, I mean, in 1998, I was um, 14 years old. And I was as infatuated with hip hop as any 14 year old can be. And it just so happens, you know, Master P, I think, put out Ghetto D, which is, I think, his greatest album in 97. Um, and by 98, it was MP, The Last Dawn, and, you know, Snoop had come over then and put out No Limit Top Dog, his second album, which was really good, to your point. But 98 was also the same year that you had Black Star, that you had Brand Nubian making, you know, Don't Let It Go to Your Head, that you had Tribe with, you know, the love movement. Like, for me, by 98, I was already, like, buying Ruckus Records t-shirts and just going full into the underground. So, yeah, I mean, No Limit looks silly. And those colorful cases, it, it was almost like buying candy. Um, and that's not the movement that I was about. So here, boom, 22 years later to go back and reconsider. And I've been listening to the music and I'm enjoying it more now than I was then. And that doesn't negate any of your points about some of the sloppy mixes and beats and, you know. But in a way, I'm looking and I'm like, you know, some of the criticism that West Side Gun gets about, you know, you put out three albums in a year and you get your daughter to do the artwork and you're slanging features. And I'm looking at, it, I'm like, that's the no limit model. You know, I was literally just about to say that, that, um, uh, their grind, uh, reminds me very much of, of, of no limit and master P, you know, and, um, they just put out a song Conway, the machine, uh, featuring method man yeah. lemon, uh, on Friday, which I thought was a banger um, on our playlist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's on the playlist, and, and and again, Method Man like has not cursed on a record since I think at least like 2013 or something like that. Um, yeah, and you know he 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 said you know f it like he didn't, but he didn't use the the word like so his 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 streak is still intact. <laughs> Judges find fascinating, uh, but but great verse. But what what was your thought about that record? I really liked it. I mean, to me, I don't need the record, and what I mean by that is. I'm interested in what Conway's doing regardless. The fact these guys work together is great. I, in a way, I see a lot of similarities between the two of them. I mean, um, you know, Meth within Woo was the most recognizable and one of the most celebrated. You know, you got Ray and Ghost right there. But Meth has been somebody that's given features to everybody, not only back in the 90s and the 2000s, but today. And that's what Conway does. And he can do that alongside Eminem. And he can do that inside of, not inside, beside a rapper that you've never heard of before and treat them both with the same intensity. So I look at both of these guys. I'm like, you guys love hip hop. You take it very seriously for nothing else than just to see y'all come together. Um, it's really cool. And, and not for nothing, um, you know, this song, this collaboration is a setup 
to Conway's next album, um, which has production from, you know, Havoc, Eric Sermon. Um, you know, he's got a gang of people on there. So I'm really excited about that. The Griselda takeover is not touching the brakes. It's just laying on the gas. Man, when, when is that album coming out? Like 9-11. Oh, man, that sounds like... Uh, uh, I didn't even know that was coming. That sounds crazy. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of all of them. Um, yeah. Something about Con- Conway's voice and flow, like, just, like, you know, hits me to my core. Definitely, yeah. You know, been... you know um, one of the things I just want to mention that I thought was kind of cool as we're talking about label stuff this week Um is uh Saigon, you know, who's another artist that I feel like never got his due. I mean, his album, his debut was The Greatest Story Never Told, um, came out arguably like five years too late. I think it came out, I can't even remember, 2010 or something like that. Saigon partnered with some subsidiary of Strange Music, so Tech Nine and Travis O'Gwen. And, you know, those guys are actually adjacent to No Limit. Like they were part of the same kind of family. The the EVP of Priority was huge at Strange for a lot of years. Um, this is the first time Strange Music has signed an East Coast artist that I can remember, or at least an artist from New York. Because I know Ritz, you know, is, is from the Southeast. But um, I'm really, he's got an album dropping in August. And yeah, that's Saigon, an odd pairing. What, what, do you, what do you think that comes from? I think it's just the indie grind, but I also was looking, you know, Sway and maybe King Tech as well have been very active with Saigon throughout his career, you know, very early on. And then in recent years, um, you know, with Rich Nice and different folks and, you know, Sway and Tech have a close relationship with Tech Nine. I mean, they were very instrumental in, in kind of bringing Tech Nine towards the mainstream back with the wake up show. So I'm like, maybe it's two or three degrees of separation that, you know, but also, I mean, Strange Music just knows these artists that have cult followings. And in the past, I mean, the big acquisitions they've made, it's funny, you know, um, Brother Lynch Hung, who's a really skilled lyricist and gangster rap from Sacramento, um, you know, Ritz. There's a few other people that they get that make noise. So I'm excited for this. I just want Saigon, um, you know, he's been a big supporter of AFH over the years, but I want him to prove beyond... Um, the greatest story never told just how talented he he is yeah it's it's his journey is so interesting to me like uh, i don't know if you know but one of my best friends and frat brothers used to manage saigon oh wow and this is back in like 1999 2000 you know um uh i remember size is one of his first mixtapes if not his first mixtape and just how blown away i was by that and i've always loved his talent and then he had the entourage look you know, a Just Blaze album, and it looked like he was really about to blow up. Jay feature, yeah, but it never happened. What do you, what what do you think it was that prevented his career from taking off? Because he definitely had all the right things behind it. I just think it with Saigon especially, it was a classic case of you know industry rule number four thousand and eighty. Like he was at Atlantic at the time, the same Atlantic that you know mishandled Little Brother, and I feel like there was a huge same Atlantic that upset Lupe Fiasco. You know. Um, and didn't necessarily handle that right. I think that I think that Saigon was just truly derailed in a way that no artist can be now. Like these days, you can put your own music out. You can use social media to get people to campaign around you, which Lupe did. But in 2005, 2006, you know, you uh, you were a victim to your employer. And I feel like Saigon got that buzz absolutely bubbling with the mixtapes and those looks that you just mentioned 
and they couldn't they couldn't register it in an album and then he put it out three or four years later um and it was great you know people people really celebrated it but almost like for that that captive audience that only follows what's going on right now it was it was too late you know which is such a shame yeah, I mean, I always loved his flow and his voice. Uh, he was street and substantive. Like, you know, he, he was the total package for me, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope this is another shot. Um, you know, tech and strange music definitely does tap into that core following. You know, they're able to, I think, um, uh, really deliver uh, artists to audiences they might not have had in the past because strange music does have, a you know, a different demographic of hip-hop that are, it touches, you know. Um, one of the artists they did that with not too long ago was MERS. Mm, um, true. Yeah. And, you know, and MERS and Slug just released a, a new album, um, yeah. Felt Force. And I haven't listened to it, but I know that that's near and dear to your heart. So what, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see this one coming. I, you know, when you talk about prolific, you know, we, we tend to mention West Side Gun and we mention Doom. And his, no one, no one is more prolific than MERS. I mean, MERS has put out like six albums in the last two years, and I'm probably missing a few. And a lot of them are collaboration. And that's something that he was doing with the Living Legends era back in like the cassette tape culture. Um, so this was special. I love Felt. Felt came together, what, like 2003 or four um, with Slug, MERS, and the original one had Ant, which is, you know, the production part of Atmosphere. It used to be PATH, but the groups expanded a bit. Um, so it's a reunion of many sorts and it came out of nowhere. They put out a song in the middle of the week and um, yeah, I've really, it's a, it's a quick like 40 minute listen. Um, my joint on there, uh, there are really the first three songs and then I like sticks and stones, but um, both MERS and slug have made albums in, in the last couple of years that really embrace family, you know, being fathers, being husbands, um, aging gracefully as B-boys and this captures all of that, but still has some of that, um, you know, damn, we like women, like, <laughs> which was such a foundation theme on those early felt albums. So this one's really cool. And I'm, I'm so happy that it arrived. I've been playing it a lot through the weekend. Yeah, I find both Murs and Slug to be two of the most honest MCs and most relatable to me in terms of like, you know, just like you said, talking about relationships, talking about parenthood, uh, you know, but also like, you know, cutting loose and being human. Like, uh, you know, so I'm going to dig into it for sure. Um, I love their musical choices. So yeah, I'm excited. And you know, was, we've had yeah. great interviews with, with both those artists too in the past. Definitely. They've been very supportive and it's cool to see Ant back there. And yeah, they talk about things like quitting smoking and how, you know, your love life, once you have kids and you're married, might change a bit. It's just got those themes in there that, you know, you and I talk about a lot in terms of where hip-hop is going that it hasn't been before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so anything else you want to cover? Man, no, that that's that's the big stuff. What about you? That's it, man. Um, yeah, so what's, what's your song of the day? Yo, I, I went back. It's been out for a few months, but um, my song of the week, I will say, is and and no no uh, you know sleep during Corona is not always the easiest thing, but Sleepless Nights, which is on it's the first song on the project by Ninth Wonder, Robert Glasper, Terrace Martin, and Kamasi Washington, and um, all four of those artists are uh, are really you know artists that I follow closely and artists that I think are making some of the best music in their careers right now. 
but they very quietly put out a collaborative collaborative album called Dinner Party. Yo, check that out if you haven't. Um, that joint, um, which one of our writers, you had put me on to uh, over the weekend, and, and that's just been in the heaviest of rotation. What yeah, about you? Yeah, I, I love that when you sent it to me. You know, for me, I'm going to go back to the Shade Noir and Apollo Brown album. And for me, it's 12 hours, um, mm. you know. Storytelling rap. Be this crazy. Yeah, and, and she's, she's storytelling. You know, she's got it all, total package. So I thought that was dope. Absolutely, man. Well, I look forward to when we do this again. And I uh, hope, hope this week gives us some good music, too. Word. We need it, man. Um, still waiting on. Uh, we, I, I think some special stuff is coming second half of the year. So we'll okay. Yeah. All right, man. All right, man.